Yes, yes, yes. Welcome back to the Hostile Environment Podcast. And what a show I have for you today. I got that tone tail ready to go, but it's going to come up a bit later. So don't forget to, to, to download and subscribe at iTunes, Spotify. You know the gimmick. I got to lay this out now. I'm trying to build this brand. Facebook, J Cowell, IG, J.Hostile, Twitter at podcast underscore hostile, email j.hostile.environment at gmail.com. Download and subscribe. This is episode number six. I've got a good one for you. Let's get to it now. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. First up, uh, right off the bat, I fucked up the music last week, the intro and the outro. I hit the submit button instead of the edit button. And by the time I knew uh, that I'd fucked it up, it was too late. So my apologies for that, and that was just after I ragged about getting new intro and outro music, I managed to fuck that up. So that's on me. I'm still learning. I'm getting this shit down. I've never been on that great with technology, so I'm doing my thing. Uh, you know, I appreciate the support from you guys, by the way, who have contacted me and shouted out. Uh, I appreciate that very much. So let's start off today's show with a little something different. I'm going to start off with uh, what the kids are calling a in quotations, life hack. Um, yeah, so you know what these are? They're like little tips to get through life or little uh, little shortcuts, or, so to speak. Um, I do like the term life hack, so I've been using it. My youngest says I'm not allowed to because I'm too old, but I'm using it anyways, and she doesn't listen to the show, so don't tell her that I'm using it. So I'm going to lay out this scenario for you, and then I'm going to give you the answer at the end of the show. It's like uh, the old days uh, when you listen to the radio station and they're asking you a question like, how many fucking broken bottles did John eat? Call in now, but you have to t- wait till the end of the show to get the answer. So I'm doing that. Um, I got a scenario for you. I'm going to give you the answer at the end of the show. So here we go. Here's the scenario. Let's say you're a single guy. You just got off work. You're, you go out with your buddies to have a few pints. Just to, you know, mellow out, relax, chill out, talk a little leafs, you know, whatever. And uh, you look across the room and you see a, a lovely young lady. You smile at her, she smiles back. You look away, not to seem desperate or way too interested, you know. Uh, you don't want to look uh, cheeseball. So uh, after that little uh, exchange of looks, um, you know, you eventually find yourself next to her at the bar. And uh, an amazing little conversation starts up. And uh, throughout the evening, uh, you know, you're having a beer or a shot or whatever, wine. And uh, next thing you know, it's last call. And you guys decide that you want to go somewhere a little more private and maybe continue on with the conversation somewhere else. Um, you know, um, so you guys hook up and you uh, go somewhere a little more private. And uh, But next thing you know, that epic conversation turns into a little no-strings-attached sex. But here's the problem. During all that conversation last night, you were drinking. And as you were drinking, you know, the conversation was zipping by pretty quick. And you happened to forget her name. But that didn't matter while you're doing the deed, but it does matter the next morning. So uh, that's an important aspect, and you don't want to look like a complete asshole. Um, so th- that's the scenario, and the answer I'm looking for, I'm going to give you at the end of the show. But the question is, actually, how do you get a girl's name after you've done the deed, if you don't remember her name, how do you get it without rifling through her wallet or... Um, or uh, any other, you know, what's another way you can do it, but rifling through the wall is probably the biggest one, as long as you don't find out. So anyways, I'll give you the answer in the show. That's a little life hack that I, I read. So, um, here's a, 
so here, let's go into this one. I absolutely adore and love my oldest daughter. Um, some days, uh, I truly think that my wife was uh, doing meth while she was pregnant, though. She must have been. Uh, that's the easiest way to put it. I, I, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But, um, so she's, um, you know, she's obviously an adult, old enough to drink in the States. She was born in 99, so she got her own car, she's doing her thing. Um, but, uh, so here's the scenario, or here's the situation. Just before Christmas, um, so, you know, we're going back, what, four months? She was pulled over by uh, some of Toronto's finest here in Durham. And uh, upon being pulled over for a rolling stop, which means she didn't wait the three seconds at the stop sign, the young officer asked the regular questions, uh, license, registration, proof of insurance. Well, my daughter didn't bring anything. She didn't have her insurance in the car, she didn't have her license on her, and she, didn't even, she couldn't even prove that she owned the vehicle. So the officer was nice enough to let her off with the big ticket, which was the rolling stop. Uh, and he did give her a ticket for um, no license and registration insurance. Um, so I was under the impression, I remember, I've never actually been pulled over for that. Well, I've been pulled over, but I've never been pulled over without my license and registration or proof of insurance. So I had heard back in the day that if you did that, you had 24 hours to go to the police station and provide that proof. And then if you had it, they just rip up the tickets. So I wasn't sure if that was still a, 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 a scenario that, that could happen. So I had asked her, and, and she didn't know, and I'd asked a few other people, and they weren't sure if that was still a thing or not. So I asked her that day, or the day after she got the ticket, or tickets, actually, two tickets. I said, what do you want, how do you want to play this? Are you going to fight it? Are you going to, and she's like, are you, are you going to pay it, or what, what, do you, what are you going to do? Uh, she wanted to just pay it because she was so happy that the cop let her off with the rolling stop ticket that she was just going to, just she didn't want to. She didn't want to embarrass the cop, or not embarrass him, but she didn't want to drag the cop out to court and fight the tickets when she knew she was guilty. So she was doing the right thing. I'll give her that. And I said, yeah, whatever, man. This is your life. I don't, you know. I try and stay out of it. I don't even give advice because I've learned my lesson with giving advice to a new adult, which is uh, whatever you know doesn't mean fuck all. You, know, you thought it was bad when when you had a teenager, or if any of you guys had teenagers, it's much worse when they're actually an adult because now you can't say well, you're only a, a child or you're only a teenager or you don't know anything. Now you're an adult. So now when you give her advice, she gives it right back to you. Uh, no, I'm an adult. I can do my own thing. I don't need you. So I said, okay, fine, fuck, whatever. Do your thing. Pay the tickets. I didn't know that it was going to, you know, come back to haunt her, which it did. So for Christmas, my wife and I decided we were going to pay her two tickets. And it was roughly around 180 bucks for the two tickets. One was 110. The other one was like 65 or 70 bucks. So I attempted to actually go in physically and pay them because I just like to do that sort of thing. And it was because of COVID, couldn't get in the doors. Paid, pay, So I paid them online. It was part of a Christmas present. We get, you know, 200 bucks towards Christmas. Paid her tickets. Come to learn that uh, when, when our insurance was coming up for renewal, I just happened to be looking into switching insurance companies. And uh, when I had mentioned that my daughter had two tickets and she paid them, they immediately told me that, by her doing that, because she's a new driver, she's only been driving for about two years, um, that her insurance was going to be roughly $700 a month. And that's even if the insurance company would keep her. So we immediately, you know, scrambled, uh, you know, bottom line is we, we got the tickets uh, rescinded. I got my refund and now she's going to fight the tickets. So here's the, the, the funny thing was yesterday when she was leaving for work, she went, when she went absolute fucking bananas, <clears throat> excuse me, because she couldn't find her, her wallet with her license health card, uh, 
everything, her, her whole life, her debit card, bank card, everything. So she's running around the house. She's like, where's my stuff? Where's my stuff? I'm like, I don't know where your stuff is. I don't touch your shit. I don't know. So she went to work without her license again. So she didn't learn the first time, but I guess she had to go to work. I understand. She took a chance. Today, she gets up around 11 to go for work again. And I say, well, you know, have you found your stuff? And she's like, no, I'm going to go get new stuff. I was like, okay, that's great. Uh, assuming it's not in the house and you're going to just throw in the towel, I get it. But you actually have to drive to work right now and you're going out after work for dinner and you're going on a date tomorrow night. At what point is this driver's license going to come into play? Because you're going to fucking get pulled over again and the same shit's going to happen. And I got my, the shoulder shrugged and I got some curse words and the door got slammed and she left. So I I, I don't know. I, can anybody else help me here? Um, you know, is this just me? Is, is, are other parents going through this? I have no idea. So that's my, anyways, that's my, my child rant for the day. Uh, the next little fucking rant I have is, um, so I'm not a social media guy. I'm, I never have been. The only time I went on Twitter was to, you know, like I said, while you're in the restroom, it kills your time when you're not playing a game or something like that. So, you know, I downloaded Twitter. I barely ever tweeted. But I've, on, I've been on Facebook for like two weeks since I started this podcast. Two weeks I've been on Facebook, and I'm getting an average of two friend requests a day that are clearly porn. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting these friend requests. Uh, I haven't made friends with any porn stars. I don't know any porn stars. Um, as far as I can tell, you can't watch porn on Facebook, but when these people are trying to be your friend, they're clearly porno- it's clearly pornography. So I'm, um, I'm going to post a couple pictures to my IG just to show you guys what I'm dealing with. If you guys are dealing with this too... And I just the only I'm just new to the game, and I, and everyone gets this. Cool. I was unaware. I just I, I'm shocked that I'm getting this many porn requests per day. Um, I'm thinking that maybe somebody has listened to one of my episodes about clown porn, maybe, and thought that you know I needed a friend. I don't know. Uh, so speaking of social media, while I'm on the Facebook rant, um, I have been I have been advised by my new uh, social media handler. Yes, I have a social media handler now. Because it's become increasingly apparent that other than the occasional video that I post on Instagram or Twitter or you know Facebook or whatever I'm doing, that I, I clearly have no idea what the fuck I'm doing. So somebody reached out to me and informed me of these several different ways uh, to improve my social media presence. And um, one of those aspects is uh, fucking TikTok. Uh, I know in the first episode, I vowed never to do it. And as much as I hate breaking my promise, um, because I haven't actually made you guys all that many promises, but that was one of them that I did make, um, I apparently, I have to break that promise. So yesterday I did join TikTok and I have two posts. And I have to say, although I disagree with the whole watching people dance to different songs and then watching people in malls put the phone on the window and dance around and then send it out, or people dancing in their cars and sending it out, I, I, th- I fucking hate all of that shit, and I just want to smash your phone as I'm walking by. But I do have to admit that I have been getting a couple of... Uh, uh, I, I've gotten some traffic just off the two videos that I've made off TikTok, and uh, it's actually leading me to believe that maybe this ain't so fucking bad as far as, you know, like, reaching out and touching someone, so to speak, as far as, like, getting your, your, your brand out there. So I'm going to keep trying, and it seems to be working, so... Um, my social media handler, you know who you are, uh, big thumbs up to you, sir. You're doing a fucking fantastic job and maybe I can, uh, 
pay you in some sort of monetary fashion at some point if I ever start making money off this fucking podcast. Which, by the way, if you guys could spread the word, that'd be fantastic. Six episodes in, haven't made a penny yet. Looking, uh, getting a little, getting a little tight over here financially. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm fine. I'm working on 200 downloads though, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, this being the sixth episode, I will be over 200 episodes. So, or sorry, 200 downloads. So I'm pretty happy about that. Uh, so thank you guys for downloading and subscribing. Like I said, please spread the word. I'd love to have some more people and I'd love I'd love more people to reach out and, and give me some comments or maybe some show ideas or you know something to talk about. So if you have that, please feel free. Uh, you guys know how to find me. And if you don't, uh, you, you'll figure it out, I guess. <laughs> I've, uh, I've done my part. So um, I was having a, a debate with my wife a couple of days ago and I told her I was going to be talking about this today. Um, but I'm not going to get into the, you know, the hardcore details as my wife is a big left wing, right wing shit with politics. I, I don't give a fuck about any of that. I just feel I have an opinion and I don't care what side of the fence it lies on left, right, center. I, I don't fucking care. Um, I, I'm, I'm against guns. I'm pro women's choice. Um, you know, I'm all for gays and lesbians. If you guys want to get married and be just as unhappy as the rest of us, fucking go at it. Go hard, bro. Um, so I, I don't fall in the left or right spectrum. I'm kind of in the middle, and I'm okay with that. But our it was it wasn't a knockdown drag out debate, but it was it was it was all right. It was it was it was fun, and um, it's about the fucking Bugs Bunny skunk. Uh, I don't know how many of you know about this. Uh, I don't know how many give you fuck about this. So this is gonna be just a quick little rant. Uh, so here we go. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, um, the skunk in question is good old fashioned Pepe Le Pew. And he was removed from Space Jam 2, starring LeBron James, who spearheaded this whole new Space Jam because he wants to be like Michael Jordan. So, you know, he's fucking almost broken all his records. He might as well redo the movie that Michael Jordan made. That, by the way, there was nothing wrong with. That movie still fucking still holds up today. It's still great. Anyways, they took Pepe Le Pew out of that movie because apparently his behavior is offensive and he normalized rape culture. Yes, a cartoon skunk, rape culture, that's in the same sentence. So this poor fucking skunk, who's been around since 1945, so he's 76 years old. Who's he raping at 76 years old, first of all? If he can even fucking get it up at 76, good for him. But they took him out, he's 76, um, so if he's 76 in skunk years, what is that in human years? He's got to be close to 300, right? Uh, so good for him for still getting wood. Um, so anyways, um, basically he's canceled. This fucking cartoon skunk is canceled. Mr. Potato Head is fucking canceled. They tried to cancel Paw Patrol. It's a little kid show because one of the dogs is a cop and the call for police abolishment included this cartoon dog cop. So they tried to get the show taken off the air for that. What the fuck is going on? This is getting fucking really out of hand, like really quickly. I mean, statistics show that white men have the market cornered for the worst of the worst when it comes to crime. Okay, that's us. We single-handedly, single-handedly are number one when it comes to mass shootings, pedophilia, and older rich white men who sexually assault and degrade women. That's us, guys. Congratulations. White men, we are the Super Bowl champions 
when it comes to that horrible shit. So pat yourselves on the back, boys. We own that shit. So um, when it comes to, you know, how about you cancel cancel all those fucking scumbags? I get all those people, the pedophiles, the rapists, all that shit. Absolutely. I fucking agree. Get rid of all of them. But why pick on the skunk and the fucking potato? What happened to try and cancel Ellen DeGeneres? What happened with that? According to the rumor and innuendo, most staff at her terrible show weren't allowed to talk to her and got fired for looking in her general direction. So a skunk who's trying to fuck a cat and Mr. Potato Head with no dick and balls are toast. But the evil dancing lesbian of daytime TV makes a horseshit apology, which you could tell was not only written for her, but so contrived it was fucking borderline pathetic. So she makes that horseshit apology, and not only does she keep her show where she makes millions of dollars, but all is forgiven. So if Pepe Le Pew put something in the cat's drink and Mr. Potato Head was involved in a school shooting, yes, cancel them both. But until then, fuck man, like all you touchy, feely, tree-hugging Karens can cancel and leave children's toys alone, please. At least until they're fucking arrested, and then, you know, that then you have some fucking something to go on until then can you leave children's toys alone there's got to be something better to spend your time on trying to cancel like a real human fucking being so thank you anyways now to the main event of today's podcast and this being thursday it is time it is time for a thursday tone tale this hilarious this hilarious story begins, as most children's fairy tales do, at a donut shop full of homeless people at Woodbine and Danforth. Yes. This homeless donut shop, which wasn't actually a homeless donut shop, it was a donut shop that just happened to let homeless people sleep there. And I guess when one homeless guy started sleeping there, he told his homeless buddies, and they all started sleeping there. And I think there was roughly seven or eight of them who would show up and, you know, it was around 7 p.m., and crash for the evening. And then I don't know what the fuck they would do all day. Obviously, they weren't going to work. But they'd always be at this donut shop. Uh, this donut shop was called King Donut. It was right at the intersection of Woodbine and Danforth beside a pizza pizza. Um, it had an illegal poker machine on the counter where you would see all kinds of people playing, 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 put, you know, pumping loonies into it. And then when there was winner, winner, you'd hear the bells go off or whatever on the machine. You'd see the lady go underneath the counter and get this mystery box with a key and uh, pull out some bills and pay the person. So uh, they had that. I never got into that because the first few times I played it, I lost. I think I lost like $11. And I was like, yeah, fuck this. I have no interest in this. Um, so the, the homeless people that were there, like I said, there was under 10, but more than five. Some were in that ballpark. They were scattered throughout the donut shop. And they didn't actually sit together either, which was kind of weird. You'd think that all these homeless people would have like a homeless table, but no, no, they, they were scattered throughout the donut shop. So you really couldn't go anywhere without a homeless guy either staring at you or asking you for a cigarette or for spare change or whatever. So um, the whole donut shop was just littered with homeless. But for some reason, we were drawn to this donut shop. Derek, Tone, and I were drawn to this donut shop. We were there all the time. I, I don't even know why. I, I, You know what? You go in there and you, you smile the first few times. And after that, it got a little like, it was like a really, really horrible cheers where there was... Uh, everyone knew your name, but uh, there was no booze and um, no food. 
I don't even think they really had donuts. I think they I think they were all cardboard or fake. Uh, I didn't see anybody order donuts. Um, I did see a few people order coffees. That's about it. So um, there was that. Um, the first homeless guy that I met in there, Derek. Derek used to hang out at this place before he knew me. So when I first started hanging out with Derek, he brought me here. And he introduced me to my first hobo. Uh, his name was Clem or Clementine. But we used to call him Clem for short. Uh, and he was an older... Looked like a really fucking run-down Santa Claus who just been had the shit kicked out of him after getting thrown out of his house by his wife. Um, so his name was Clem. And you could go up to Clem, and no matter what you said to Clem, you could say, hey, Clem. Uh, we used to say, uh, hey, Clem, uh, you got any batteries? And he'd go, no, no way. Hey, Clem, uh, you know, uh, you, you want a coffee? Uh, maybe a donut? No, no way. And, you know, we just keep doing it until eventually you'd ask him something, and he'd slam his... his Looking hands on the table, he'd, no, and he'd just get up and he'd storm out of the donut shop, and you wouldn't see him for five minutes, and then slowly he'd slither back in and go right back to his same spot, sit in the same chair, and we'd start this all over again. So if we were ever bored, that's one of the things that would keep us entertained for five minutes was just fucking with Clem. Um, he appeared to be a nice guy though. <laughs> uh, I once saw, I saw, um, I watched saw Tone uh, give Clem a glass of mop water. He literally took a, a plastic cup, dipped it in the mop water and told Clem it was alcohol, and Clem drank the whole fucking thing. So, uh, clearly Clem's taste, a sense of taste wasn't all that great, but he was, seemed to be an alright guy. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's Clem. Uh, the next one I've got on my list is Glenn. Glenn was a, he looked like a 30 to 35 year old guy back in the day. Brown hair, brown mustache. He didn't actually look like a hobo, but he was a hardcore hobo. So, he was the one that would be he would have like the New Balance running shoes on that looked a little beat up. Uh, he'd have the 1980s Varney France jacket zipped up, but underneath that jacket, he would have a shirt that was in pieces. Uh, his jeans were filthy, um, but he was the most respectable of the hobos. So if they were ever going to go for a job interview or if they if they ever need like a king hobo, I think he would have been it because he looked the least despicable. Um, little story about Glenn. Um, one of the first times I met Glenn, I watched him chug a giant bottle of Listerine, literally cracked the fucking, the, the top right in front of me, cr chugged half of it, took another huge sip, let out this disgusting burp that sounded like he was underwater, but the whole fucking room smelled like Listerine. So that was kind of nice, but I watched him drink that whole bottle. Uh, the next, uh, homebo I've got on my list is cockeyed Steve. Um, we call him cockeyed Steve because he had a giant fucking cock eye. Uh, his right eye was probably around his teeth and his left eye was right where it's supposed to be. So we'd call him cockeyed Steve, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, he was definitely the worst looking of all the homeless people that we used to hang out with. Uh, he looked exactly like he, if you, if you said the words cockeyed Steve and he was a hobo, picture it in your head, that's what he looks like. He looks exactly like he just got out of a dumpster. Uh, and after he got out of the dumpster, he rolled around in dog shit and then went to the donut shop. He looked like that at all times. Um, another nice hobo. Um, no, not aggressive or anything like that at all. Just horribly disgusting fig looking figure. Uh, and the last hobo I've got on my list that I remember is Dale. Dale was just a kind of a chubby hobo, uh, which you don't very see very many fat hobos, but he was one of them. Uh, and he was very quiet. He never really talked all that much, but he was always there. He was the, like, the silent hobo. Whereas, you know, if these guys were ever going to get up as a group and go anywhere, he'd be there, but you wouldn't even know he was there. Just like if, at the donut shop, you barely knew he was there because he, all he did was sit there. So, 
these guys would uh, band their money to, or, yeah, put, pool their money together, and they would go to the Asian um, grocery store just down the street, and they would buy a $4 bottle of Chinese cooking wine. This is the stuff that you're supposed to put on top of your food while you're stir-frying it or, or, or cooking. It's like an Asian cooking wine, hence the name. Um, what I didn't know about this is uh, this cooking wine is it's like fucking 80% alcohol. It's almost like drinking turpentine or something. It's ridiculous. But for four bucks, these guys would chug it, and it was thick like a syrup, like like a syrup that you would put on a slushy machine or something. It was disgustingly. I actually took a sip once. Me, me and uh, Derek bought one. Derek and I, sorry, bought one. And um, obviously, we were going to give it to the hobos after because we knew we couldn't drink it. And we both took a sip, and it was vile. I was, how these guys drink a whole bottle of it, I will never fucking know because I could barely take a sip. But they did that. So that's the donut shop. That's the layout. Those are the four hobos that I'm gonna uh, gonna introduce you to. Um, so put it this way, um, you know, it's a beautiful sunny afternoon in July or August. Um, I want to say around three o'clock. Um, we're at the donut shop, just Derek and I shooting the shit with our hobo buddies, which actually doesn't sound like what it is. Derek and I would just sit at a table and we would just scream at the hobos across the donut shop. So it's be like clam batteries. No, no way. Hey, cockeyed Steve, what are you doing? Yeah, I'm fucking doing nothing. So, though when I say we're hanging out with hobos, we're not actually sitting at the same table and talking. So, um, so yeah, so we're looking for shit to do. Derek and I, we're at the we're at the donut shop. You know, you know, two teenagers looking for fuck all to do. So you know, bad things are coming. So um, we shot the shit back and forth. You know, let's do this. Who's out here? You know, uh, where's this person? Da da da. And we eventually landed on this guy Chris. Um, we said, you know what? Let's give Chris a call. See what Chris is doing. Um, now Chris, uh, is a five foot six, uh, half Asian kid who weighed maybe 110 pounds soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. Um, super nice guy used to rave like hardcore every other weekend. He was, uh, overnight sleeping, uh, or sorry, overnight raving and then sleeping all day. So we knew Sundays, Chris was usually a write off. Um, but the thing about Chris, uh, or a few things about Chris actually, other than the fact that he was a super cool kid. Um, he always got the hottest girls, uh, even if they were like technically homeless after a good 45 minute shower, um, they cleaned up nice. Uh, I don't know how he kept getting these girls, but they seemed to be like drawn to Chris. Now we used to call Chris, uh, another name, um, that is yet another word that is socially unacceptable to say. So let's just say it started with the letter G and rhymed with Luke. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, um, that, that being the, the times, uh, I'm not going to call him that. So, um, I don't want to get canceled. So we're going to call Chris by his government name. So, uh, Chris lived above a furniture store on the Danforth between Woodbine and Victoria Park. For those of you who know the area, um, we, we, we didn't spend all that much time at Chris's. I think in the amount of times that I knew Chris, which is a couple years, I think it was only at his house around five times. Um, and this time that I'm going to bring up was the last. Um, his mom was a uh, single mother with a boyfriend. Uh, she, it, in my opinion, she was the 1997 version of a Karen. She was all kinds of not very nice to us, um, whether she didn't like us or I, I don't know what the case was, but we were never at Chris's house because his mom was just not a fantastic lady. So when we called Chris to see what he was doing that day, he invited us over. 
He's like, yeah, guys, fucking come on over. All right, sure. So it's, it was literally a 10-minute walk from the donut shop to Chris's. Derek walking on over. Um, we were there about, you know, 40 minutes before we walked in the door, sat on the couch. We realized there's fucking nothing to do. We are bored to tears. Uh, at that time, uh, Chris, Derek, and I all smoked cigarettes. I regret that greatly, but we did. Uh, so Chris said, you know, let's go for a smoke up on the roof. And we were like, I was like, what the fucking roof? What are you talking about? And Chris was like, yeah, you know, I live above a furniture store and I have access to the roof because they don't have a lock on it. So that's where I go and smoke. So sure enough, Derek, uh, Derek, Chris and I head up to the roof, um, you know, get up and open the door and you know the whole roof is covered in like level, little pebbles and stones and shit like that. So it was about two and a half minutes before we started throwing stones at pedestrians and just, just dropping them lightly. Not throwing them, but just dropping them enough so like it would hit them right in the top of the head and you'd get that, ah, and then the, you know, they'd be looking all around trying to figure out where that came from. Uh, and then of course it took maybe two minutes of doing that before we had to up our game. So we were like, well, what else can we throw? Let's go down to Chris's kitchen and see what he has in his fridge or cupboards so that we can throw at pedestrians. Um, uh, we... We, we decided on a liquid. We wanted something liquidy, uh, something that would make a huge mess, but something that was easy to throw, which if you look in your fridge, there's not many liquids that you can look and say that's easy to throw because it just doesn't work that way. It's a fucking liquid, right? So of course, um, and we didn't want to hurt anybody also. So it's not like you can throw the whole ball of the mustard at somebody because you'll fucking kill somebody, right? So um, how do you get the liquid out of the fridge and into a container that you can throw at somebody and not kill them? Um, well, the easiest way to do that was put it in an ice cream cone. Of course, that's the way to go, right? So we were uh, basically trying to decide between mayonnaise and mustard and uh, what was the other one? I, fuck, there was something else. There was Oh, Cheese Whiz. Cheese Whiz was the third one. We decided against Cheese Whiz because it comes out in fucking, like it's in the fridge, so it comes out in balls. So it wasn't really a liquid. So if it hit somebody, it wouldn't really make the, have the effect that mayonnaise or mustard would. Uh, the only reason we decided on mayonnaise was because uh, Chris had a giant jar of mayonnaise so we could make a lot of ice cream cones full of mayonnaise as opposed to mustard, which he didn't have a lot of. So sure enough, we head up to the roof. We're making our ice cream cones full of mayonnaise, which was actually kind of fun. It was kind of like, you felt like you were kind of cooking, but you weren't. So the goal was, we said, look, anybody can hit someone in the head with anything. So that's a given. Let's go above and beyond. Let's let's make this interesting. So my goal was, and I succeeded in this goal, was to drop an ice cream cup full of mayonnaise into someone's shopping bag or their purse, and they didn't even know. Hopefully, they didn't know about it. So my win was, sure enough, a lady was coming by. She had a couple of kids with her, and uh, she had a, a giant Toys R Us bag. And don't ask me how I remember this, but I fucking do. Um, she had a giant Toys R Us bag, and I dropped it, and sure enough. I fucking washed it and it went right in like a basketball into a hoop. It was fucking perfect. So it didn't get the explosion, but I got the, I got to have the dream of when she got home and whatever she had purchased is covered with mayonnaise with remnants of an ice cream cone. Also, um, you know, I, I, I like that. I thought it was funny. Uh, Derek's goal was to hit, well, I don't know what his goal was, but what he eventually decided on was, um, he was going to, uh, try and hit a guy, um, so he saw the guy coming. He was a, an older uh, fat guy in one of those um, electronic scooters. You know that uh, all the fat people are driving nowadays. 
So, um, you know, back in those days, those things were kind of few and far between. They weren't as relevant as they are now. They're everywhere now. You can't even fucking, you can't even go downtown without seeing some fucking guy with a, a flag flapping in the wind on one of these fucking electronic scooters or whatever the fuck they're called. So Derek wanted to hit a guy in the head. Um, so he decided to give it a whirl. So he sees this guy coming and he thinks he's got a time perfectly and he lets go. And not only does he let go early, so he totally missed this guy's head. But the ice cream cup full of the ice cream cone full of mayonnaise hit the guy's uh, fucking control panel on his scooter, so he gets freaked out because he thinks I don't know, man, maybe the ice cream's gonna or the, what he thinks is ice cream, which is actually mayonnaise, is gonna short out his little scooter. So he's freaking out and he's got his little uh, handlebars and he's going left and right. And I guess he must have gone too hard to the left because he goes right into the wall of the of the apartment building that we're in, little uh, complex. And once he hits the wall, of course, the scooter tips over, he goes over. Now we've got a big crowd of people coming around like, oh, what the hell happened? Oh, people are throwing shit off the roof or whatever. So that was the end of our game. Uh, Derek won. Obviously, he won. That was a fucking great throw. But, you know, the the crowd was too much. So we, we had to bail and we knew it. So back inside we go, you know, good laugh over that. So now we're like, fuck, now we're really out of things to do. Now we now we can't even go near the roof because, you know, for fear of getting caught. Um, and we, you know, we're like, okay, now what? So Derek says, okay, well, let's page Tone, see what Tone's up to. Tone was always somewhere. So it wasn't if you paged Tone, you wouldn't hear back from him. He'd respond almost immediately. And when I say page, remember how far back I'm going here. Um, there were no cell phones. There were tons of fucking pay phones. No cell phones. Those weren't a thing yet. We all had pagers. And the thing about Tone is, at no point did he ever have a paying job. Never. He did community service. He did volunteer work with Derek's mom sometimes, which will also count as community service. But he never actually had a paying job. So Tone, um, and I don't know how far back, there's a couple of you out there who had pagers, that you'll remember how this worked was, um, every time you would obviously have to page somebody, you could leave them a voice message on the pager. You'd have to go to the payphone, pop in a quarter, check the, pa- check the message, and then possibly put in another quarter to send a page back. Well, Tone didn't have any money. So how the fuck were you going to get in touch with Tone if he had no money to page you or call back? So usually what he would do was if he got a page, he would jump into a convenience store or the donut shop or fucking anything, a car dealership, whatever had a phone, and he'd ask to use their phone, check his page, and send one back. But if he couldn't do that, what he would do was he would call you collect. So when you have, when you call someone collect, you have that, I want to say it's like 2.2 seconds where it says, this call is from, you have to say your name, Bill. Well, in the time you would say, Bill, Tone would say, I'm at the donut shop. Give me a, give me a 606060. That was it. So uh, a little breakdown of our codes, because when you page somebody with numbers, uh, you could, you could page them with numbers and we all needed codes so that you wouldn't need to get to a payphone at all. So if you put 6060, for us, that was go. 60 looks like go. So it means, yeah, uh, 60, go. Each one of us had a numeric code that was only ours. So mine was 19. Derek's was 316 because of Stone Cold. And Tone's was 007 because he wanted to act like he was some sort of fucking destructive James Bond. So if you put 6019. And then you would put in the time. So 445, it would mean go to that place, J, at 445. And we all figured this out. 444, three fours in a row, meant no, canceled, don't go. 
Um, so if you got a 444, it was basically not the plane shot. Anyways, we page Tone. Tone calls us back, says, of course, he's on a collect call, and says, I'm at the donut shop. Okay. So now he ha we have to send Tone a message and tell him we're at Chris's. So that, that's, what, that's what we did. We left Tone a message, said, we're at Chris's. Come to Chris's. Tone right pages back, 6060007. So, okay, Derek and I walked from the donut shop to Chris's in 10 minutes. Tone will probably be maybe 15 minutes. Well, 15 minutes goes by. 20 minutes goes by, 40 minutes goes by, no sign of tone, no pages, no nothing. Finally, I do get a page. Um, and of course, it's from the payphone. And it's just tone saying, look out Chris's window. So, okay, I fucking hang up. And I go over to the, the, the fucking window and I open it up. And sure enough, there's tone on the sidewalk. Okay, so I'm looking at tone and, you know, tone's standing beside a taxi. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, oh, did, did Tone take a cab here? It's a fucking 10-minute walk. It's a beautiful day. Why would he take a cab here? Or does he have a cab and he wants us to get in the cab? So I have no clue what's going on. I'm a little confused. So Tone looks up at me, sees me, and he says, uh, I'm on my way up. Okay. All right. So I'm ready to, you know, jump back in the window. And as Tone says that, he opens the back door to the taxi and out gets cockeyed Steve. Oh, wow. Uh, Tone has a hobo in a cab. Thinking to myself, did Tone take the cab with the hobos to Chris's? Or did the hobos pick Tone up? Or I, I, I'm, I'm lost at this point. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. So um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. And uh, after Cockeyed Steve gets out, I see Tone kind of shuffle him to the, to the, closer to the wall. And then as he's, as he's doing that, Glenn gets out of the cab, and then Dale follows Glenn out of the cab. So there's three hobos getting out of this fucking taxi now. So, now I'm really confused. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. Tone says he's on the way up. So he gives me, like, a, he puts his finger in the air, like, one minute. And I was like, okay, fine. So, I came back in. I shut the window. I go right to the couch. I'm trying not to break into laughter. Because I know something's going down. I fucking know something's about to happen. I just don't know what's going to happen or where this is going to go. But something's going down. Uh, Chris has no idea what's going on. He's still oblivious. Um, I look at Derek. I gave him like a, like a, a, a really like a, a smirk, and so Derek knows. Oh shit! Something's about to go down. Oh wicked! So sure enough, we we you know, we hear the the, the staircase open because you had to walk from the sidewalk. You had to walk up a huge flight of stairs to get to Chris's apartment. Uh, so we hear the the stairs. We hear people on the stairs, and I was like, "Oh, Tone's here, and here he comes." So Chris is still sitting down, so Derek jumps up, and uh, <laughs> Derek goes to the front door, and uh, sure enough, uh, he opens the door, Tone walks in, and as Tone walks in, he's in his uh, one of his hands, he's dragging Cockeyed Steve into Chris's house. So Tone gets into the house, uh, and he drags Cockeyed Steve in with him. So Chris sees this, and Chris goes fucking hits the roof immediately. Tone's like, or Chris is like, what the fuck, man, why, why did you bring Cockeyed Steve to my house? Uh, and so Tone's trying to, I know, it's okay, brah. Tone's like, oh, it's okay, brah, don't worry about it. You know, cockeyed Steve, you know, he's a nice guy. You know, he smiles a little bit, but, you know, he wanted to get out. And I don't know, it took him for a walk. And well, he, anyways, they're, they're bantering back and forth. As they're bantering back and forth, fucking Dale, 
the other hobo, the silent hobo, he kind of fucking shimmies his way in. And I don't even think we saw him because the first time I saw him, I didn't see him come in the front door. As soon as I saw him, the first time I saw him though, he was in the kitchen and he was making his way through the kitchen and he beelined it right for the couch. So Dale sits down on the couch. Chris sees that now Dale's in the house too and sitting on his couch. So Chris goes over to fucking Dale. He's like, get off my couch, get out of my house. And now Cockeyed Steve's wandering over and Cockeyed Steve sits in like this lazy boy sort of like chair that Chris had. Uh, and now Chris is like, get off my fucking chair. He's like, guys, help me get these fucking guys out of my house. And then, of course, Glenn comes in. So now there's a third hobo in the house. And Glenn's in the kitchen. He's just standing there. And he's like, oh, leave him alone. And we look over, and that's Glenn saying, leave him alone. So now there's three of them in the house. Chris is going bananas. Chris has no idea what the fuck to do. We're on the ground. We're, like, literally on the ground. It's, it's fucking one of the funniest things I've ever been a part of. So, of course, Chris is going crazy. Uh, Tone's uh, laughing his ass off. Um, you know, Cockeyed Steve is sitting in this chair. He's got his feet up with his fucking disgusting rundown sneakers and shit like that. Uh, and Dale starts to like mumble and you never hear Dale talk. Like I said, he was the silent hobo, but what do you do? What he was saying, he was trying to say something and we eventually figured out that it was booze. He was saying something about booze or alcohol or something like that. Uh, and Tone uh, took a bottle of that uh, Chinese cooking wine out of his jacket and gave it to them. And now they were like, it was a kids at camp sort of thing. Yay! Like, like you just gave him a bag of marshmallows. So they fucking cracked the top of this, and now they're passing the bottle around like a fucking old English fucking bottle. And they're drinking this fucking horrible cooking wine. And Chris is going crazy, and he's saying, Tone, why the fuck did you bring these hobos to my house? Of course, you know, there's no fucking, there's no answer to that question. Like, what? there's no, that shouldn't even be a question, first of all, let alone have an answer. So we're laughing our fucking asses off. Dara, we're in fucking tears. And, uh, you know, he keeps yelling, um, Tone, get them fuck out of here. Get them the fuck out of here. I'm not joking. But Chris was, like I said, he was like five foot seven, five foot eight, maybe, uh, 110 pounds. Like, by far, the mo the least intimidating guy I've ever known. Super nice guy, though. Um, but after roughly half an hour, these guys had just finished the cooking one and they were already demanding more booze. They were like, oh, you know, where's fucking beer? Um, we didn't have any, like fucking, if Derek and I weren't drinking, we sure as hell weren't going to give any to the hobos. So, um, Tone says, yeah, I'm going to the washroom. I'll be right back. I'll help you get them out of here once I get back. So Tone goes to the washroom and, um, I guess he took a little detour on the washroom on the way to the washroom. And he ended up in uh, Chris's mom's room where he stole a bottle of aqua velva uh, cologne or fucking aftershave or whatever the fuck it was off the night table of Chris's mom's boyfriend. So he comes downstairs and he tells him he got some more booze for them and he gives him this aftershave or cologne or whatever it was. It was blue uh, aqua velva. I don't remember. I think it's off the market now because that was in like fucking 1997. I don't even know if it's still around. Uh, but I watched Glenn crack it. And he downed most of the fucking shit right off the bat. It, it, like he was drinking a bottle of water. It was fucking insane. How like the, I, I don't know how strong that shit was, but I have to imagine that it would burn going down. Didn't seem to phase Glenn, though. So he drinks half that bottle, and then, of course, he passes it on to Dale. Dale hands it to Steve, and, you know, it was only a little tiny bottle, but they made the best of it. But now Chris is going nuclear, because he's now he's got to replace uh, the bottle of aftershave. But first things first, he's got to get these fucking homeless people off his couch and out of his apartment because his mom's coming home from work and the clock is ticking at this point. So I think he said his mom got home around five. It was literally like 
maybe half an hour window between getting the homeless people out, getting that bottle of aqua valva back maybe, and, and um, you know, his mom coming home from work. So we're kind of pressed for time at this point. Uh, so the, the plan was to tell them. That, so the plan we came up with was we were going to tell the hobos that we're going downstairs, we're all going to get another taxi, and we're going to go back to the donut shop together, and we're all going to drink at the donut shop. That was the only the only thing that we figured could could lure them out of the apartment. Uh, but they weren't moving. They they I don't know. They, I guess they didn't buy our story, so they refused to move. So we were like, "Come on, guys, let's go." And they'd be like, "No, no, fuck it. We're just going to stay. We're going to chill here." Or, whatever, something along those lines. Um, but now Chris is starting to panic, of course, because, you know, for every fucking couple minutes this goes by, his mom's getting closer to coming home. So as we're trying to do this, I remember at one point, Glenn stood up and he walked away and we're, just, and we're like, okay, we got one up. We need to get the next two up. Uh, so Glenn went to the kitchen and fucking ripped open a cereal box and jammed his hand into the fucking cereal box and started eating cereal out of the box. Don't know if Chris ever threw that cereal out. I'm hoping he did. Um, but, um, basically enough was enough. They had to go. So while Glenn's standing up, Derek and Tone both grab one of Dale's arms and they fucking reef him up. Cause like I said, he was kind of a fat hobo. So they both picked him up. And as soon as, as soon as they lifted up fucking Dale, I hear Chris go, what the fuck is that? And you look down over his fucking couch cushion and there was this massive fucking piss stain. Chris goes, did you fucking piss all over my couch? And Dale just stared at us like we didn't fucking speak English. Derek and Tone started to laugh so hard, they let go of Dale's arms. He flops back into the fucking couch, right back into the same piss piss, piss situation he was in before. Now Chris is, like, to see he was mad, I, the word mad is not even in this conversation. Chris was fucking I rate and and rightfully so. Uh, you know, I don't. I I get it, man. It was fucked up. So they dropped Dale back down, um, and so that we did like a, a side conference between Derek Tone and I, and we were like, okay, um, new plan. Uh, what do we do here while Chris is freaking out? Um, and we decided on the best thing to do was to leave. Uh, that was our plan. We we're like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's let Chris deal with this, and let's just fucking get out of here. So that's what we did. Uh, we said, "All right, all right, Chris, we're got, we're gone, boy. Uh, like, enjoy." And he's like, "What the fuck? You mean you're gone?" And we're like, "Yeah, man, we're we're fucking out of here, dude." So we walk right out the fucking front door. We get onto the sidewalk. As we're starting to walk, we're howling, of course. We're fucking uh, yeah, like tears of fucking of, of of laughter, and we can hear Chris upstairs screaming at them, "Get the fuck out of my house, you fucking assholes! Get the fuck out of my house!" It was fucking awesome. Anyways, uh, we decided, all right, well, let's, uh, we might as well go back to the donut shop. So sure enough, we fucking headed on back to the donut shop. Uh, we're sitting there. Um, we're not eating or drinking as we usually don't. We're just chatting or whatever. And, um, about 45 minutes to an hour later, um, the three hobos show up. It turns out Chris's mom did come home and she did find three homeless men in her house uh, and she fucking went bananas and somehow threw them all out. Um, so the, the moral, well, not the moral, but we, we didn't see Chris for a long time after that, nor did we hear from him. And I never got to go back to Chris's home. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I don't know if he ever forgave us for that. We did a lot of shit to poor Chris. Uh, we also did some shit to, uh, another guy named Bird. That'll probably be on one of our, my next tone tales will be the Mr. Nestle story. 
Um, no, um, but anyways, um, long story short, uh, I'm going to wrap this podcast up. Uh, so that's going to be the end of the show. But before I go, I do owe you an answer to the question from the top of the show. So if you don't remember what it was, it was basically, if you don't remember a girl's name in the morning after a night of, you know, fucking foreplay or whatever, what do you do? And the answer is take her to Starbucks where they write her name on the cup. Boom, there's your life hack. So gentlemen, if you have a one-nighter in the morning, you don't remember her name, get up, take her to Starbucks. Fucking Vente Latte for fucking, you know, Jen. There you go. Boom. All right? Don't know if that's going to help you. I don't even know how many single guys are left out there because all my friends are married with children. So um, any hopefully new listeners, there's your life hack. So ladies and gentlemen, have an amazing weekend. The weather is supposed to be beautiful. The sun is going to be shining. So go out, go have an orgy in the park, and I will talk to you on Monday on another episode of the Hostile Environment Podcast. Bye for now.